love, love, lust, lust, and battle soul. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode, and we have a special guest in the building. We have we don't have goddesses much through through the building, but we got Lady Ray in the building. What's going on, man? Hello, thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. You already know what it is. So, with bringing you on, I had to have a topic that was worthy of the presence of a goddess, and so I wanted to talk about spiritual love. And so, we often talk about love from like a standpoint of emotions also talk about like the act of love and everything that goes into it but the spiritual aspect of love and one that is rooted in a spiritual connection um aka people call it soul ties there's a lot of different ways that people do speak about it but i wanted to have a conversation about it because while i have been in conversations in regards to it i've never actually talked about it on the podcast so first i want to ask you when you hear the term spiritual love what does it make you think about when i think of spiritual love i think of the most high I think of seeing the God and goddess within another person and seeing that also within yourself. That's what I think of when I hear spiritual love. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, 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 that's right on the money. I think that, uh, like when you can recognize the spirit of someone and you connect, and that's part of the reason why my podcast is called the awakened soul, right? Because I believe when people connect in this deeply, it's on a spiritual level. It's not just that surface level thing. And so, uh, when you have a love that's rooted in that, it makes a lot of the thing, the other things and aspects of life so much easier because you're not just loving the person that's in front of you. You're loving the spiritual being that that is within that person. So it makes some of those disappointments or some of the times where we're less than perfect people. It makes it easier to work past and work with that person because you have you have learned to love the spirit that resides in that person and not just the human. in front of you. Absolutely. So I broke this down, this topic down into three levels of spiritual love. You can agree or disagree. Don't be afraid to if you if you disagree part of it to say it. But uh, the first one that I that I broke down in this is absolute love. And this is loving someone in an absolute reality. It's a supreme consciousness. This is, again, seeing that goddess or God within that person and and the essence of joy and love within that person. What do you think about that? I agree. I mean, hands down, I can't, I cannot deny that at all. Yeah. And and the absolute love is, is rare, right? Or Christians, they call it what agape love. Like it's, it's, right. it's rare to be able to love somebody at that level. And I always say like, I, I don't know if as adults that have been through trauma and everything like that, that it's easy to obtain absolute love anymore for another person, because like we, we have to work through so much. Like I really think children are, are, are have it within them to have absolute love and i always say animals have absolute love within them and i really feel like as adults it's not impossible but it just takes so much work to get to that place of absolute love but when you think about it anything that's worth having doesn't come easy so you have to go through those trials and tribulations you've got to go through your storm 
to get to the rainbow. You won't, you won't truly know how to love a person if you haven't been through all those storms. If you haven't gotten to see who you are as a person, you can't resonate with a God or goddess within that other person. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And you kind of touched on the next one, the part two, the second tier of this. Well, let me not say tech second tier because I don't have them rank like which one's higher than another. But the second part of this is individual love. And that's love for yourself. And I think that that is the part that so many of us miss is that like, especially people who like move from relationship to relationship, expecting it to heal them or to help them get over stuff. You have to have that love for the individual yourself before you can worry about almost anything else. And like, I know for me, I try to make stuff as personal as I I can is that once I found that true love of myself and the accepting of things, both good and bad about me, now that doesn't mean to ignore the bad traits that I have, but it means learn how to work past them is that it made it so much easier to love someone else. I don't want to go too far ahead, but you have to, you kind of got to clean out your closet and know your darkness. Yeah. Because only through the darkness can you find the light. So if you can't find that within yourself, you're going to continually look for it in other people. But something that, that's been resonating with me a lot lately mm -hmm. is the fact that we have been conditioned to think of God as an outside force. Mm. So we're forever seeking God externally and losing track of the fact that God resides within us. Absolutely. So if you can't find the God in you, you're going to continually externalize it and you're going to look for it in everything and every place else where it starts with yourselves. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of these, especially when you talk about love, people tend to think romantically. And, and I, I want to make sure that I highlight this here is that even looking for love outside of yourself doesn't necessarily mean like romantic love either. Like some people like they acknowledgement through their jobs is why they become workaholics like that, that they associate the feeling of love to that because it's a feeling of acknowledgement and something easy to kind of pinpoint in and um, quantify. Right. And so once you find the true love for yourself, you will start seeing you, you remove yourself from situations and situations remove themselves from you. So that like you, like, all those obstacles like kind of get out the way. And sometimes those obstacles are parts of ourselves as well. They are indeed. That's <laughs> that shadow. Yeah, we'll get into the shadow. shadow. We definitely got to get into the shadow. <laughs> uh, the third tier, uh, love as Sadhana. Uh, Sadhana. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but this is love as a practice. Right. And so love is an action word. You heard that said a lot. Um a lot of times, but I don't think like we really take it, take time to think about what that really means as far as like love as a practice, the, the practice of, of giving yourself onto something or like even back into yourself. What do you think that like love being a practice or a medicine in some ways that is described? What do you think about that aspect of spiritual love? I believe in it. And it's one of my, uh, my highest principles because I believe I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, mm -hmm. but love is something that I do religiously. It's love is my religion. It's something that I practice in every person that I meet because you have to realize the most high is in everyone. We are all made in that image. So when you, you practice that, that essence of love mm -hmm. in all beings, cat, dog, man, woman, regardless of color, like love is love is everything. It's literally everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, the greatest of these is love is a is a verse out the Bible. And, you know, I, I, I'm i more spiritual now than religious. But like 
I really love is love is the thing that makes everything even, right? It's us at a, at a, at our purest. It's, it's love. We were created in love. We were we are sitting here and here to love other people and to give that out and to give joy to other to others. So like I think once you get into the practice, whether that's giving, whether like I said, giving to yourself, giving to others, being patient. Um, it it it. But uh, that all goes back to what we talked about before. You have to learn how to do that to yourself. We don't give ourselves grace. But then try to give it to other people and then wonder why we fail. Like, give yourself grace to fail. So we are so hard on ourselves. And, you know, we, we you got to stop that. Like, there, there are times that you need to be harder and real with yourself. But, like, you also have to learn to give yourself that grace and that time to grow. Because we're oh, this life is just a constant stream of growth and development every single time. And, like, it's, yeah, I always say to people and say to my kids, like, when I talk to them, the person you are now, if it's not. If you're not a little bit different in 30 days than what you were today, if something's going wrong here, you should always be continually growing. Absolutely. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, definitely. And to grow, sometimes that means we got to do the work that are in the shadows. So our next topic, Ooh. and this is a deep one. This is one I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast for so long. Um, shadow work. And yes. I know me and you both have done a lot of shadow work over the last year, year and a half. And I think uh, this is going to be a really good conversation for us to get into. Um, how do you describe shadow work? How do you how do you view shadow work? Oh, I am a spiritual healer, so I am constantly guiding people through shadow work. So it's one of the most necessary topics, but it's the hardest topic because people don't want to face their own bullshit. Shadow work is facing your own darkness. It's realizing that you have patterns that keep cycling in your reality because it's something that you're not facing. Shadow mm -hmm. shadow work is dealing with that darkness, those skeletons in the closet, that part of you that needs to be healed, that inner child that suffered that trauma and fragmented. So now until you heal this inner child, it's going to keep repeating in your adult life. Shadow work is a monster, but it's so worth it. Yeah. I mean, in facing that darkness and, when shadow work or something like this, the topic I always go back to for me, 16 years old is when my parents divorced. And I never dealt with, well, let me not say never. It was till I was in my late 20s that I really dealt with how that affected me. For me, the way that I internalized that is for the, for the first time, it was me not having my father there every single day. And so that turned into all I, all I knew how to display was anger. Like it was so bad to the point where like I was getting in fights all the time. And I was just angry all the goddamn time. And it wasn't until, like I said, my mid to late 20s where I really took a second in therapy. Thank God to my therapist as well. Having that conversation, it was like, all right, where did this start at? And I'm like, you know what? I never really dealt with my parents' divorce. Not to blame it on them because it's on me, especially as an adult at that point in time who had kids to really to, to deal with it and identify it. But I didn't. And so what, what I then took that as is, all right, now, because I'm angry, all you motherfuckers are about to get it. <laughs> every single one if you piss me off you about to catch this heat and so like once i realized like okay let me let me let me work backwards let me see what what's going on and i found that it really started with that and at the end of the day i was just too quote unquote manly to just admit look i miss my motherfucking dad you feel me and so once i once i did that and i had a conversation with him and he was like well son i never left you like i was always here like yeah we lived states apart but like i'm nothing but a phone call away and we really had that conversation. I told him what it like. I felt like when my, our family 
broke apart. I blamed him because you, you're the one who taught me the man keeps the family together. So like once we started having this conversation and like I had never asked either one of my parents, we were 10, 12 years removed from the getting divorced. I never knew why they got divorced. And when I finally, we finally had that conversation, it brought so much peace and clarity to how I wanted to live my life. And like men fail, fail too. And I think I didn't get to go back to that giving ourselves grace thing, right? Love as a practice. I didn't give my dad the space to be human. And so once I got to that place, it allowed me to be okay with my human natures and my fallings and then my failings and then fix them. So I, I completely agree. With shadow work, you have to have that ego death. Yeah. You have to be completely raw with yourself and hold yourself accountable. Most of our most of our trauma does stem from when we were children and what we experienced. I had to personally myself, I had to realize that for one, my parents have been together for almost 40 years, but I did see their ups and downs. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people whose parents are divorced, but mine stayed together through that ugliness. Mm -hmm. And without them having, they didn't have any idea what it did to the children, what we saw and how it affected us. My daddy issues caused me a lot of stuff in relationships. I'm choosing the wrong type of person. I'm seeing the bad character traits that I saw in my parents that I'm emulating or I'm trying not to be like my parents and I'm not as vocal as I should be and just letting shit slide. There's so much that stems from our adult youth. I mean, our youth that we have to be gentle with ourselves. We have to go back to that inner child and we have to hold ourselves and say, Hey, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. It is okay. Yes, this happened to you, but it didn't break you. It made you stronger. So yeah, that, that shadow work, we've all had to do it constantly doing it. It's, I don't think people realize how that's an everlasting journey. Like, yeah, yeah you, you got to clean out the closet, but you got to go way back. And then you continuously go through that and make sure you're, you're properly mourning those stages in your life and you're feeling the feelings and you're not regressing anything. It, it's, it's constant. Yeah. And I think too, like it's easy to dis- disassociate yourself from your shadow self, because like you look at it as like, okay, these are, things that I have to deal with and you can often get caught up in not realizing like that's still you like like you can't do the work unless you want to admit like yeah they're they're bad traits or whatever else in this trauma but those are those are things that are still reside in you you can't they're they're not forces that just magically came against you like these are parts of yourself and once you start like realizing okay yes this is a bad trait but this is part of me so you then now that you have associated that and you've merged that I, just the idea and the concept of it with who you see yourself as, you can start backtracking and doing that work as well. And one of the aspects that I think me and you have a, uh, both have a perception on is we both have failed marriages. And the only way to really heal from that is to do serious, serious shadow work. Like the people that you see that have failed marriages and they just blame it solely on the other person. That's not to say that the other person didn't do a lot of wrong, that even maybe the majority of the wrong in the marriage didn't come from them. But when you take the time out to do that shadow work after a failed marriage, you can become so much of a better lover, or you can be bitter if you don't do the shadow work. Absolutely. Absolutely. That goes back to that, that mourning, that, that part of your life. Like, yeah, it happened, but you still, you have the good times. You, you got to take the good with the bad. 
you have to hold yourself accountable. It's not all the other person because it was two people in the situation. So you have to be able to face yourself in the mirror and say, I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. But hey, it's okay. I'm still learning. Yeah. And that's okay. It is okay to still be learning. You don't want to be so hard on yourself that you, you, you just start blaming yourself and you don't see your worth. You have to know that you are still worthy. A lot of people, I see a lot of people who are victims of abuse, uh, mental, physical, emotional, and they blame themselves. It's like, hey, like you're human. We wouldn't be human if we didn't make mistakes. Right. It's all for the learning. And all so, for the learning and sometimes the the mistake at least the good basis to start realizing your mistakes at if you want to stop blaming the other person is just to say look i chose the wrong person this is why i chose them this is what i thought that they were feeling this is what happened in my life that led me to thinking that this person maybe had my best um intentions for me but they didn't i was blind to certain things like just starting if you can start there and just admit like hey yes they did xyz but I chose that person. You can then start really trying to start that necessary healing. And like so much, this is why I don't get into relationship conversations anymore on social media, because so much of it is just people wanting to blame everything else on the other person. It's like, all right, but you chose them. You chose them. Why? Because if you don't, if you don't answer that question, you're destined to probably choose just a different skin, but the same person. The same person. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't work on that shadow, ooh, we. <laughs> It's just going to continue in every relationship because you haven't dealt with you. It's just going to, it's going to continue to manifest in everything that you do. You gotta, you gotta stop and sit with your shit. Ain't no way around it. That is the absolute truth. That is the absolute truth. And that's, it sucks. Like that's some of the most emotional shit that I've ever had to do was sit there and just realize like, damn, nigga, you fucked up. (laughs) What is you doing? So, yeah. You got to sit with it, but be kind to yourself. You're human. You are allowed to make mistakes. We all are. And yeah, that, that asks me, so why do I continue to, why do I continue to choose this type of person? Mm-hmm. What is it about this type of person that's attracting me? Where did it start? That, that patient zero tells you everything. You got to deal with your pain. There you go. Sit with your shit. I think you may have just titled this episode because that's it. I like that. Sit with your shit. Um, <laughs> what was what was the moment? Because I let me not say everybody I, like. But in my experience, usually with dealing like really, really dealing with that shadow, it's a breaking point. What was your breaking point when you realized like, all right, now nah, I got to I got to get I got to get in this darkness and do some work. It was when I couldn't trust myself, hmm. when I could no longer I I could no longer have faith in my own decisions, me knowing that I know what I know, but at the same time, I'm, I'm questioning all of my decisions and I had no faith in me when I lost faith in me. That's why I'm like, okay, hold up, (laughs) cut the shit. Like I really need to sit here. I started to realize my trauma and my triggers were so sensitive that it's like, fuck, I'm so scared from the shit that I've been through in my past that I keep seeing it everywhere. And I <clears> felt <throat> like I was dealing with it. Don't stop being a petty motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be petty. But no, I had to, I had to realize I keep seeing the triggers everywhere. And it helps me being a spoken word artist. It helps me being a poet because I channel my pain 
in my poetry because I know I'm not the only person going through this. But for me, it's so therapeutic. It's like, okay, let me write this down. That's just the way my brain works. I'm an artist. So I'm like, okay, let me turn my pain into art so I can express it so that I can work through it. And it's when I put it in my, my poetry, it's when I see it all. It comes together. It's like, okay, I'm broken as fuck. I'm so broken to where I can't accept love. My heart was in so many shambles that I'm like, I don't trust anybody with the pieces that I managed to glue back together. That was my breaking point. Thank you for sharing. Okay, come on. Floor is yours. Who's yours? I I, I think I've told mine before. My my breaking point was um, shortly after my brother's death, shortly after my, like my brother's death, the divorce, um, losing my job at one point and what I, how I used to identify myself. Like it all happened within like, we're talking like in an 18 month period, all these things happened at once. Right. And so I was, I was so short with everyone. And I, it, it was one day it was a Maya, you know, Maya is like my spiritual soulmate because we share a soul. And I like, I, I snapped at her a little bit and she was like, daddy, like, what's wrong with you? And the way that she said that, because it wasn't like this, it wasn't like she was fearful of me. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like this look of just concern on her face and i had to, and i came downstairs and i sat by myself for a minute and i just started thinking about damn i snapped on this person i snapped on my mama a month ago i snapped on like why am i snapping and for me it was that i was afraid to just admit that i wasn't happy with shit that was going on in my life at that point in time but then i had to think about why i wasn't happy i was i was upset that i lost a job that i didn't even wasn't even happy or fulfilled in anymore but i stayed at the job so long because i was happy with the check right and I got comfortable in it. So then I thought about, okay, what else were you just settling for? Like, and so once I started thinking about all these things that like I started, I started identifying myself and you know how much I, how prideful I can be, right? I started identifying myself through all these things that really didn't even fucking make me happy, right? And so I was looking at myself through a lens of what other people thought was success and I wasn't successful with me because I wasn't fucking happy. And so once I started realizing all these things and it was like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Um, But like just sitting there in that moment and realizing how much time I had spent in the last five years doing shit for either other people or out of a sense of obligation that it's like, okay, why am I doing this? You know why I'm doing this? I'm doing this because it made me feel good to be celebrated, but I'm being celebrated for the wrong shit. How, what type of fucking hubris am I facing to where I'm doing shit because they celebrate me doing it and I'm not even fucking happy doing it. And so that's what, that was my breaking. That's that people pleasing. Oh, people pleasing is not love. It's fear. It, listen, it fear, is fear. fear will keep us in some shit, right? And, and really it, it ultimately like now I'm at this place now, like I, I have no fear and better know myself for anything. Like I know I'm going to, I can come and overcome anything, but yeah, I was, I was fearful to do that for a while. I was like, I did, and I guess that is why didn't I trust myself was the question that I asked myself. What was I not trusting in myself and my decision-making? And so I had to, I had to come out of that. And now I am the confident cocky ass motherfucker I am now. <laughs> did you say arrogant? I, I feel like my arrogance has been checked lately because I feel like oh, somebody yeah. I feel like somebody had told me the other day or a couple of months ago like it was no longer Hayes it was Cordero so I feel like I've checked that arrogance a little bit I'm just okay. saying okay received okay All right. I'm just you know I'm just just saying what was given to me you know I mean it, it, it has been slightly different I'll give you that okay <laughs> maybe a lot different maybe maybe 
Whatever. Whatever. I give you a, I can definitely see your growth spiritually and mentally, and it's a beautiful thing. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a nice year and a half. Like COVID, it's really like since since the COVID thing, being stuck, my black ass stuck at home for so long, and like yeah, it's nothing but time to think and like reprocess and reevaluate and like get myself hungry again. So like that that really really helped me mentally. You know what? I honestly believe like COVID was necessary for us as a collective. A lot of people were forced to sit down and deal with their shit. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't do nothing but sit there with your own company, twiddle your thumbs. Why not sit down and do your shadow work? Like at this point, you cannot run from your shadow because your shadow is sitting right next to you, tapping you on the shoulder all day long. Like, hey, <laughs> come get this work. Exactly. Hey, yeah. we we here. <laughs> what we doing? We just here. Like, <laughs> right, we just here sitting here. You don't have no more excuses <laughs> but to face it. So. Yeah. You got to sit there and deal with your shit. And I can honestly say quarantine. Oh my gosh. That was when I did the majority of my work. I read a whole lot of books. I faced the mirror quite a bit. And I allowed myself, I allowed my ego to die. Thank God. That ego death. I know you're not talking. Like, come on now. Really? Pot kettle. Hello. No, 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 no. (laughs) I call the kettle yellow. Hold on now. <laughs> no, the, the ego death is very necessary for any of us to attain uh, that spiritual leveling up. Like you have to allow your ego to die and you have to get out of your own way. Because if you don't, ooh, if you don't get out of your way, you're going to get hit with that bus. Just, mm. okay, you will get hit with it. And it's going to make you sit there and deal with it. So yeah, I feel like COVID was a bus for all of us. Yep. You got to sit there and deal with it. Yeah. It, it was necessary. I feel like it was a huge spiritual shift for everyone. Yep. And some people came out of it worse, but a lot of people came out of it better. Um, and I think like for the people who do have self-awareness, COVID was really, like you said, the time to not only sit with your shit, but to get some of that shit out of your way so that when the world opened back up, we were better equipped people. Right. So Absolutely. it was definitely that for me. It was definitely that for a lot of people that I know as well. And, you know, I, yeah, the, the, Quarantine sucked ass, right? It sucked ass. But like, if you're able to use, like, turn a loss into a win, it, it, like, that temporary loss of being stuck in the house for 18 months can turn into such a win for you long in, for longevity's sake, because now you've dealt with so much of your own shit. COVID was a spiritual enema. Hmm. Okay. There you go. There you go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Well, that's it on that topic. Uh, we got some questions from, Listeners, are you ready to get into these questions? These questions. Listen, Bring them on. This shit is, this, this, these motherfuckers is crazy. That's what it is. Oh, I, I believe it. <laughs> First question. Uh, the title of this one is Texting After Casual Sex Etiquette from Val the Goddess. Another goddess. So there you go. She's, she's A goddess is asking for another goddess's um, opinion. So this uh, email goes, I had amazing sex with an acquaintance a few days ago. We went into it knowing we were having a night of passion. After the deed, we chatted for over an hour about family and our career goals. We did not discuss if this night of passion will happen again. When I got home, I texted him what a great time I had and thanked him for the great night. No response. It's three days later. Maybe he is busy with work or he's not interested anymore. Do I text him when I'm in the mood next? This isn't the typical does he like me post. I really just want to know if we can bang again. I got to shout out to a woman who knows what she wants. <laughs> a lot of times we get deemed 
words that we should not be deemed for owning our sexuality. Mm. And I give her all props to that. Um, honestly, I am very big on communication now. My throat chakra was blocked for a long time, but it ain't no more. So <laughs> I was straight up as like, hey, like, state what it is that you want. Like, Can hey, I get some know? dick? Like, it's not that hard of a text to, to <laughs> Look, phrase. Just I ain't say. trying to get married or nothing, <laughs> but I want to fuck. <laughs> it was good. Say that shit. Like, hey, closed mouths don't get fed. Or filled. I'm not going to play with your nasty ass. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you ain't write that question? Listen, I didn't. Like, because like, I, I, I am all for being straight up. Like, the simple thing is, is like, we have to be honest with our, with our wants. Like, it, it's just that simple. Everyone is grown. And the thing that I say, and it's usually more men I say this to than women, but either way, the advice goes no matter the gender. Mm -hmm. Most people will rock with whatever you're honest with them about. Where's 2021? People just want to know what the fuck they dealing with. So if you just say that, all right, that's what you want. Don't and hey, like like to Ray's point, don't feel ashamed. Don't feel like you're a hoe. Don't feel like none of that. You are a woman, a grown ass woman, owning your sexuality and what you want. That is absolutely in your power. Tell that motherfucker you want some dick and keep it moving. Okay. I mean, that shout out to the goddess of love and sexuality. Like, baby, I need what I need. I have my needs. And me. Like, that's all you gotta say. Like, I mean, and, and, and the thing is that is that I want to like the I usually give the advice that sometimes for some people, the casual sex isn't a thing because they do form emotional attachments and everything through sex. There's nothing wrong with that either. You just have to acknowledge and be aware of where you are. This woman doesn't seem like she's one of those people. So, hey, fuck to your heart's content. Just tell the man what you want. Period. That's it. That's it. All right. That's it. We moved on to the next email. This one is titled, okay, so this is kind of embarrassing. And this is from Shy Fella 504. Is that Louisiana's? Is that New Orleans? <laughs> New Orleans. Okay. All right. So uh, this uh, email is, so I'm a 35-year-old man. I watch a decent amount of porn. I have an insanely high sex drive. If I could fuck every day, I would. Damn, that's, damn, okay. Uh, but my problem is when I watch porn and jer jerk off, I can stay hard, no problem. But whenever I'm about to have sex with a woman, I notice my heart rate intensifies like crazy and I have trouble getting and staying hard. It's so infuriating. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Does this happen to anyone else? All answers and advice are greatly appreciated. Oh, so I'm first on this? Listen, I, I have never had this problem. Like, I, and this isn't me trying to sound cocky or anything. I have never had a problem staying hard. What is that? Oh, nothing. I just got a little thirsty. So, um, had to wear my whistle. Ooh, this one. Well, is this ladies first? Is that what this is? Yeah, go ahead. You guess. Guess guess goes first. Okay. Um, I'm gonna speak from personal experience because that's the only way that I can relate. Mm -hmm. Um, I myself have a very high, healthy sex drive and I practice what is called masturbation manifestation. I am able to release and fill myself up. So therefore Whenever it comes to being with another person, I'm thinking with a level head. You have to, for one, know not just your love language, but your sex language. Mm. Watching porn is not the same thing as physical intimacy. With porn, you can disassociate. Yeah. You don't know them. There's no pressure to perform. With physical intimacy, there's feelings, there's emotions, there's anxiety. So it, it 
it goes to finding out where that that stems from. Like, okay, why are you not performing? What is it that's giving you anxiety? What do you need? For one, I'm sapio demisexual. You got to stimulate my mind, and there has to be an intimate connection before I can be intimate with someone. So sometimes you got to learn your sex language. What is it that you need? Because it could be that you're you're scared to perform or you're scared to connect with this person. You got to find out what it is. Like get to the bottom of where that anxiety is stemming from. Do that shadow work. Mm. <laughs> I mean, and you're right. I completely agree. It's definitely an anxiety problem, right? And I'm glad you said that you you disassociate when you when you watch porn. So like you having this not an issue when it's when it's you watching porn that probably is fairly normal because it's 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 not live and in the flesh there right skin to skin as the young people say now so like you it, it, it like i i really feel like you are probably working yourself into a concern over your ability to perform which is then affecting your your ability to maintain um erection and it like some and listen i'm all for people watching porn but sometimes just drop that shit like be in the real in the in the real life and get to know this person and do whatever else learn their body like that shit is the such of the turn when you learn somebody's body and you know how to make their their body curl and turn that shit is the biggest fucking turn on in the world way bigger than porn so that that that's the passion Foreplay, yeah. definitely that foreplay. So, Ray, I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever thought about me when you masturbated? Oh my god! <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! Is that a yes or a no? That's a, I'm not answering that question. Why can't you answer the question? Because <laughs> you're not gonna put me out on front street like that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was the beard. I, I think I seen your beard a few times. That may have been there. That's it. Hush. Yeah, that's it for now. No curves or nothing like that. Oh, okay. I, okay, I'm moving on. Moving on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you ain't shit. The last, the last, the last email that we have today. Uh, this one is this one is from Gucci Gang Gal. So you guys know where this is finna go. Should I ask my boyfriend to shave before licking his gooch slash taint? And the email goes: Last night, my boyfriend massaged his gooch. That's he massaged his own gooch while she gave him head. Okay, last night my boyfriend massaged his gooch while I gave him head. So tonight I want to lick his gooch, not his anus. She made sure she put it, point that out. But I don't know if I should ask him to shave or not. Would it be better for him to shave? Also, tips and tricks uh, for massaging and licking the gooch area. I have no advice to give on this. So I'm not just trying to put you on front. I don't even know if you do. I can't give any advice on this. Why not? You're a man. I've never had my gooch lick before, so I don't know. Anywho, um, these questions is hot as fuck. Listen, they give no fucks. I see. Okay, honestly, me, I'm big on manscaping. Because if I'm womanscaping and you not gagging on no hairs, reciprocity, baby. I expect the same damn thing. Like, absolutely make him clean that shit. Like, yeah, no. Hair, hair down there is unsanitary. There's nothing shit. worse than oral and like you got to fight through a bush to get to the clit. Like that shit. Right. <laughs> like man, like he trying to floss and give head. No, I'm done. Like I'm over it. The moment that a piece of uh, of pubic hair gets stuck between my teeth, listen, we done. Like we can't even fuck afterwards. I'm completely. <laughs> it's over with. <laughs> 
<laughs> flipping the table over. Like, no, like, uh-uh. I didn't sign up for this shit. So, yeah, absolutely ask for him to save. I don't know. When it comes to that level of, of intimacy, you got to be really transparent to your partner about their needs and their wants, and you have to be vocal about yours as well. If you want that motherfucking shaving, hey. Say I mean, it. offer to shave it for him if it comes to, to that point. Like, walking that motherfucker with clippers, like, hey, play it. We got some shit. I mean, if do. you gonna lick it, I don't see why not shave it. <laughs> Listen, hey, I've, I've heard shaving your partner's pubic hair is a is a, is a a emotional bonding experience. So. Is that your love language? No. Oh, no. No, it's not my... You know my love language. Yeah, I got a new pedicure. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. Like, it's... It, like it's simple. I'm a simple man. That's it. Well, as far as the question though, you gotta have some type of advice. I have no advice as far as massaging and I, all of that. I look. I, I'm nasty, but I I stay away from butt play or anything too close. And no. I mean, I hear people. Some people love that shit. Like I like I, I've never had my ass ache, so I I can't even give advice on that from that. Sample, but I would say that if you caught him massaging his own gooch, to me, that means it's a green light. Clearly, he likes it being stimulated. So if you know he likes it being stimulated, you're in the right form the form of mind. Like you see that he likes something being stimulated. So you are proactively saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But you have the right to also set that boundary that if you're gonna be down there face first, shave that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, and I'm personally I'm gonna exfoliate that motherfucker too, because Look, that's a sensitive area. <laughs> uh-uh. I ain't putting my face there, but more power to the people who do. I am all for knowing your partner's love and sex language. You gotta have those healthy communication, that, yeah. that, that healthy conversation about likes, dislikes. I mean, and, and that's the thing. People be so, like, I don't understand the fact that people feel comfortable swapping bodily fluids and having unprotected protected sex with people, but you can't open your mouth to talk to them about sex. Right. Like, it's just that simple. Like that do about talking about it. Why is that? Yeah. But we can do it. Exactly. Like, if you, if you, you've sat here and you've thought and you've had the plan to put your face near this man's ass, you can clearly, at that point, you are committed. Just say, hey, bro, this is what I want to do. Shave this motherfucker. Like, that's it. And it shouldn't be a problem. I don't think it'll be a problem. Like, hey, that ain't my that ain't my thing. But hey, to each his own. All for it. I don't kink. Sh- like, it took me a minute to get to the mature. But I don't kink. The thing is, is sex is a. It's supposed to be private anyway. So whatever you guys do, in the and as long as it's consenting, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like I like I don't believe in kink shaming anybody for anything that they like. It's some of the shit ain't for me, and that's fine. It doesn't need to be for me. I'm not right. the one doing it. But like. Be safe. Be smart about it. Protect yourself. Communicate. As long as those things are being done, do whatever the fuck you need you need to get done. If you need to choke a motherfucker out, choke a motherfucker out. You got a little bit too excited about that. I mean. <laughs> I felt that. You you said that shit from your chest. That was from the chest. Definitely. definitely. Mm-hmm. And women, choke back while you're riding. I can't stress that enough. Like, you already sitting above him. Just reach your hands down and choke him a little bit. If he's consenting. I mean, cause you got some Ike motherfuckers that will slap your ass for that <laughs> shit. I, hey, yeah. Have that conversation. <laughs> like, have a safe word. Cause nah, we can't just go around talking motherfuckers. That is true. Mm-hmm. And women too, you need to make cause you, you never know what trauma that. some women are dealing with. You you may be passionately trying exactly. to choke somebody who's really been through some shit in their life, and next thing you know, 
They stabbed your ass, and it's your fault. Exactly. Your ass dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ask first. Like, I am so big. I, ugh, I love sexual expression, but communicate. Like, it has to be... It has to be healthy because you don't want to trigger anyone. You don't want to take anyone down any dark paths. All for that. Definitely. Well, ma'am, I want to thank you so much for taking time out your busy schedule to do this podcast with me. I appreciate it. This is one I think think some people are going to get their breakthrough listening through this. Uh, so I appreciate you for that. What? Why that? Hope- what you thinking about over there, man? No, I just I really hope so. Like I, I hope people. I hope I hope we help people reach that. Especially with the shadow work. Definitely. Definitely. Ooh, it's a it's an ugly thing, but so necessary. So many of us running from my shafts. There you go. Go ahead and give me your social media. Let's get the hell up out of here. You can find me on IG as poetry underscore N underscore potions. I am Lady Ray. You can follow me at CEO Hayes. This has been another episode, and I appreciate you guys so much for following. Make sure you reach out, support Ray. An amazing, amazing poet and lyricist. Uh, you guys will not be disappointed at all. I can promise you that. Um, but this is it for this episode. Thank you guys so much. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.